that Jesus has paid it all in full. And so help us to be a people who never try to earn again, that we receive this grace that you've so graciously bestowed upon us. Help us to be a people that just cling to you in that way, to the true genuine gospel. And for these kids tonight, I pray that you'll teach them what that means a little more fully. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, have a great time. We'll see you later. Well, good evening. Everybody doing okay? What do we think about the fajita bar? That was the second time. What do we think? Yay? All right. Excellent. All right. The fajita bar stays. It's settled. So, hey, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, I'd love the opportunity to meet you after the service and get to know you just a little bit better. Uh, Let me tell you kind of where we're at tonight. At the end of our service, we're going to have baptisms, and it's going to be a really great time to celebrate new life. So be sure to stay immediately following the service. We're going to go out to the pond and have baptisms. But right now we're going to finish part two of our, I guess you call it Ruth series. I don't know. I should have maybe taken a step back and titled it a little bit better, but it's just, it's just our Ruth series. All right. So part one, we read chapter one and two last week. And then tonight we're going to read chapters three and four. So if you weren't here last week, let me just get you caught up real quick. Um, This is a story that starts out in Judah, and Elimelech and Naomi flee to Moab because there's a great famine. And at that time, Elimelech dies. Now, they had two sons that came with them, and they married Moabite women named Orpah and Ruth. And about ten years after this, the sons die as well. And the famine is over. It's time for Naomi to go back to Judah, and she tells her daughter-in-laws, essentially, Guys, you all are still very young. Go start a family. Go get married. Do all that stuff. You don't need to stay with me. Just go. Of course, one of them decides, yes, I'll, I'll do that. And then the other one, Ruth, says, no, 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 no way. <laughs> Wherever you go, I go. Doesn't matter where that is, I'm with you for all time. And so finally, Naomi gives up and just says, okay, I can't convince her, so she's just coming along with me. So they go back to Judah. And one day, Ruth is gleaning grain uh, in the field. And the owner of the field takes notice of her, takes notice of her in her pain, just the way that Jesus takes notice of us in our pain. And so he gives us this glimpse of seeing a need and being filled with compassion and then acting, right? And so he takes notice of her and, and understands the situation and stuff. And so now we're at the point where he could determine that he's going to be what's called a guardian redeemer, for the family, which is essentially to uh, restore the name, the family name, back to that deceased Israelite person, so back to Elimelech. And so we're at the point in the series where we don't really know, or at the 
point in the text where you don't really know what he's going to decide, but here tonight we're going to get in the text and find out what he decides. So let's get into chapter 3. We'll start in verse 1. What I'm going to do tonight is just start and stop along the way. We're going to process, we're going to read, we're going to process, we're going to read. So chapter 3, starting in verse 1, I'll be reading out of the NIV. It says, One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I'll do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Verse 7. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovering his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of my family. Now, this is a symbol of engagement. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. All right, so let's stop here for a second. This is, to put it kindly, a very bold request from Naomi of Ruth. I mean, if you think about it right here, we're talking about a foreigner woman with her boss. We're talking about um, a situation where she's asking for his hand in marriage. But not only that, we're looking at a situation with the context. If you go to Hosea 9, there's a verse that talks about how prostitutes would often seduce men at the threshing floor with perfume and all that after they've had a lot to drink and eat and things like that they would wait until they were done and go to the threshing floor and try to seduce them for money so prostitution for money so she's setting her up in a really bad situation here in a lot of ways right and so we got to keep that in mind and then Genesis 19 it talks about how Moab where Ruth is from was a nation that was started really under inappropriate sexual relationships So, a lot is happening here. Naomi is risking not only Ruth's reputation in a new environment, but also the reputation of Boaz by going there and and potentially having people see that a quote-unquote prostitute is there with him. And so, but I just love this story because there's such an emphasis from Boaz and Ruth on character this whole time. I mean, Boaz is looking at her heart here, right? He knows her. He's seen her. He's seen her glean. He's seen her pain, and he knows that she's desperate here, and that's why she's coming here. And I just love, don't you love how Ruth, just every step of the way, this isn't about her desires. Have you caught that so far over the past couple weeks? She does not hardly have any desires, or at least she doesn't let those be at the forefront. She is just submitting to whatever Naomi desires from her. And we've talked over the past month or so about 
how really when Jesus says deny yourself or die to yourself, what he's saying is trade desires taking the top spot in your life for agape love taking the top spot in your life. And Ruth has so done that here. She continues and continues and continues to do that. It's a remarkable testimony to agape love, the way that she just says, okay, Naomi, I mean, this, you know, this may sound kind of crazy and it may go south in a hurry, but yes, whatever it takes, if this is going to help you to have a guardian redeemer, then yes, I'll go ahead and do it. Verse 12, although it is true that I am guardian redeemer of our family, there is another one who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. (laughs) Now remember, because people would think that she's a prostitute, and he had a prostitute over now think about how easy it would be for him to be angry with Ruth, right? I mean, don't you know you put my reputation at risk? You know, you're kind of essentially my servant. I'm the boss here, and now you're making it look like I had a prostitute over. But again, instead, he looked at the heart. He saw great character in Ruth. He saw God working in this space. And so the question that I want to ask us here tonight is how much do we value good character? Right? I mean, where is that sort on our hierarchy list? Because a lot of times people praise great gifts, great beauty, great talent, great all these things. But yet Boaz and Ruth, time and time again, are focused on character. On character. They looked at the heart. And it reminds me of the story in the New Testament of uh, probably Mary Magdalene was the lady who did this. But she pours perfume all over Jesus' feet. And everybody else is probably like, what are you doing here? This is madness, right? How could you do that? But yet, Jesus kind of rebukes that, doesn't he, right? Because he's saying, look at her heart. She is just giving everything to me. She says, I am completely yours, Jesus. Whatever you desire in my life, that's what I want to do. And so how highly do we value that kind of character? I think in this story, Boaz is offering us a glimpse into the heart and the character of Jesus to come. Verse 15. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So again, these ladies are in a very desperate situation, because like last week we talked about, like you really didn't, as a woman, have a way to get a leg up. You were going to live in poverty. You were just hoping somebody would be gracious enough to take care of you moving forward. And so they are under no suspicions that they have any kind of power here. They're just desperate to see good things happen. And, and it reminds me, when Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever told, he says, blessed are who? The poor in spirit. 
And I think he says this because they're under no notion that they can get their desires. They just want to see good things happen. They're just desperate to see a move of God and to see good things happen in their life. Everything is very clear when you're in poverty, especially when you're in poverty of the soul. When you're desperate, when you're mourning, when you're having a really tough time, you see things very, very clearly. And I think this is what Jesus means. And there's been nothing to corrupt Ruth, so she simply focused on what is good. And guys, sometimes stuff and power can really corrupt our character. It doesn't mean that those things in itself are bad. It just means that you can be corrupted by those things. And people always laugh every time I say this, but I really mean it. That my goal as a communicator one day is to be a pretty good communicator. That's my goal. Because when you become really great at something, power comes with it. And with that power, you'd better hope you've got the character that can accompany that power. Because when you don't, you're in trouble. That's when things like narcissistic leadership comes about. That's when things like pride and arrogance and all these different things come about. And so for us, if we have been given great power, and by the way, if God wants to give us great power, we shouldn't refuse it because there's a purpose behind that. But we also want to make sure that that character lines up or exceeds that power. And so we've talked a couple months ago about how, you know, sometimes we praise the gifts of the Spirit more than the fruit of the Spirit. That the fruit of the Spirit is sort of equal to character in our lives, staying in step with the Spirit and producing the fruit of the Spirit. And then the gifts of the Spirit are just kind of given to us, but sometimes we'll say, you know what, that pastor, man, I saw them just kind of yell at his family and be really ugly, but but man, he gave a great message, so it's okay. Right? I mean, don't you see that pattern? And before you know it, you have narcissistic leadership. And so I say all that to say, Ruth, in this situation, there are much worse situations to be in because she's so clear that she needs to just see good things happen. She's desperate for God to do a work in her life, and that's just not a bad place to be. She's poor in spirit and ready to embrace the kingdom of God. Chapter 4, verse 1. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over there and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from uh, Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am the next in line. I will redeem it, he said. So I think the majority of humanity at this point, as flawed as we are, I think the majority of humanity would say, oh sure, if I can help out a little bit, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll help out. Especially when there may be something to gain for yourself in the process. Right? Isn't that, isn't that true? And so right here he's saying, sure, this sounds pretty good, but what about when there's some cost involved? Let's keep reading. Verse 5. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, 
the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself, I cannot do it. So here's the risk. He's, he's saying that when he passes down this land, he may have to split it up, at least some of it. And so it's endangering his own estate if he takes on the name of Elimelech through Ruth. So there's cost involved. And so now that there's cost involved, he's out. Verse 7. Now in earlier times in Israel for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. Why did we ever stop that? <laughs> Somebody want to make a deal tonight and trade, trade shoes? This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. So Boaz, once again, gives us a foreshadowing of Jesus because, remember in chapter 2, he, he sees Ruth. Just the way in Genesis 16, God sees Hagar, and Hagar is liberated when she sees the God who sees her. He gives us another glimpse into the Jesus to come because there's cost involved here. Right? It's not just throwing a bone out. There's real cost involved because he has to be extremely selfless to be the guardian redeemer. He's giving up his own name for the deceased and to take care of the living. And so he has to be extremely selfless here. And it reminds me of Philippians 2 when it says that, that Jesus emptied himself. Right? He comes from the, the highest places to the lowest dwellings. Why? Well, because God the Father, it was his desire and on behalf of us. So Boaz here, he just never asks the question. I love this. He never asks the question, what's in it for me? He just sees that there's a need. He sees, I have a role here. I can help redeem this family. And so, yes, yes, I'll do it. He never asks the question, what's in it for me? And I just love that. Verse 9. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malan's uh, widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. So now to be like Rachel and Leah, Rachel was the beloved wife of Jacob, and Leah was really the unloved wife, but she bore many children. So what they're saying here is may she be very loved and may she be fruitful. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. There's no way that's how you pronounce that word. Ephratha? Thank you very much. That sounded very promising right there. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So essentially, may your kids be very blessed, essentially, is what it's saying here. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, man, can I say that? I guess if it's in the, if it's in the Bible, I can... I can say it. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life, 
and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. So seven sons was looked at to the culture as an abundance of heirs. So they're saying her loyalty was worth more than an abundance of heirs. Verse 16, then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So, remember as we started out last week, we, we, in order to understand Ruth, we had to go back to the last verse in Judges that said, in those days there was no king. Everybody just did what they felt like doing. You know, sort of anarchy, right? And at the end of this book, the book of Ruth, we see that the first great king of Israel is coming, David. So Ruth is essentially the great-grandmother of David, Israel's first great king, who offers us a glimpse into the king to come, King Jesus, who would redeem not just a family, not just a country, not just a bloodline, not just a group of people, but all humanity for all time. He would be the final guardian redeemer where no one would ever have to feel the way Naomi felt again. Bitter, sad, losing hope. We will always, 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 always have hope in the name of King Jesus to come. So for us, as we leave here, there will be times, there will be many times, where there will be so much pain and mourning and a lack of understanding, but we can always trust that God will produce good from it. He has a plan, and He will always produce good from it. The challenge for us is to stay close to the Lord in those times. Don't give up hope, because those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And so for us, if you're here tonight, and you're experiencing pain and mourning and all those things, I want you to stay close to the Lord. Don't go to other things. Don't go to other things, because you will see lots of fruit come in your life from that faithfulness. You just will. He'll meet you in that space. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you always take things that maybe the enemy meant for evil and you, you turn them for good. You make good from them. You, you always work good from bad situations. You just do. doesn't mean you always make them quote-unquote good situations, but you always produce good from them. You just always do, and so thank you for that truth. And Father, for those who are here tonight experiencing pain, give them the loyalty, give them the faith, give them the character of Ruth who just says, yeah, I'll just, I'll just be obedient, I'll just submit, I'll just be here, I'll just, I'm not going anywhere. Whatever is next for me, I'm just going to stay faithful and watch as you do good things with that. Father, that's my prayer for this church and for this room here tonight. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's worship.